Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The 2022 NFL Draft is approaching. Teams and fans caught up in stats, combine results, highlight tapes, often miss key elements of any player's game that will affect whether they can transition to the NFL or not. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. When you look at draft prospects for the NFL, it's easy to just watch the same way you watch an NFL football game. The same way you watch the Steelers when you're just watching a game, not really breaking it down. I would say the first time I watch a game, I'm not watching like when I watch film for a film room. I'm just watching to enjoy it. I like watching the game. I like enjoying the game. And when you do that, you're looking, you're seeing, did did someone catch the ball or was the ball incomplete? Did they break a tackle and gain extra yards? You know, did the run play work or did the run play not work? You know, these these are things we look at when we're just watching a game. It's easy to view college that way, college football, as we approach the NFL draft. But that's not a great way to break down individual players. And it's really not a great way to look at a college player who was successful and say, are they going to be successful in the NFL? So today I want to look at some traits that I've learned and I think are incredibly valuable when you're trying to look at a 
player at different positions and say, will this player transition to the NFL? I'm not a big college scouting guy. I'm not. I'm going to admit that right now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you uh, which players fit these descriptions for me. That's not what I do, right? Most of the time, I, I look at I look shallowly at a lot of prospects a little bit, especially for my uh, Wednesday night show, The Curtain Call. We do a lot on college prospects. But I don't really dig into them because in order to dig into them, I have to make a serious commitment. I can't watch two games of film and be like, okay, you know, this now I understand this player. I need to watch a lot. I need to spend, you know, five or six hours before I'm comfortable saying, you know, where players stand. I need to be have access to a lot of different games. And I'm not going to do that for 300, 400 people. You know, I don't have 5,000 hours to dedicate to watching college football. Uh, when I'm watching a lot of Steelers stuff. So I typically wait until the Steelers draft, and then I really dig into the players that the Steelers have drafted. Very rarely do I dig into much beforehand. Sometimes it'll be one position or specific group. One year, I got really into big wide receivers because the Steelers had an opening for one. Uh, looked at you know DK Metcalf in that draft class. Steelers didn't. Steelers didn't go that way that draft class and all that work I did was kind of wasted. Uh, so I haven't really, I haven't really done that again. Right. I don't really do that because it's a lot of time, a lot of investment. And then you, you may not get anything out of it. So I wait until now I wait until the Steelers draft players. And then I really dig into them. But looking at that, looking at players who have made it, looking back at film of players who don't make it, not just for the Steelers, but for other teams, I've come up with my list of things that I look for in a draft prospect and check boxes I want to be able to check off to say, you know what, this player, this player's skills will transition to the NFL better. We'll start on offense and we'll start with quarterbacks. For me, the biggest thing I look for is something we saw in Ben Roethlisberger. And that is the part from where you get the ball snapped to you till when you throw the ball, right? Especially when you're under pressure. How do you deal when you're in the pocket, you're under pressure? Because pressure comes in the NFL. You're not going to have games like there, there are college games where quarterbacks are never under pressure, right? And people will look at those highlights and be like, oh man, look at this beautiful throw. Look at this throw. Look at all this stuff. Yeah. If you're a top tier college quarterback, you should be able to make 90%, 95% of the throws from a clean pocket all the time. If you see someone who can't collect throws from a clean pocket, then they don't belong in the discussion at all, right? We're talking about the people who are actually going to be something in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger was fantastic at moving in the pocket to reduce pressure, to preemptively eliminate pressure, moving to your safe zones to keep your offensive linemen between you and the defenders that are trying to get to you. When he was under pressure, he made great, strong, quick footwork moves to get out of that pressure or break sloppy tackles or, you know, combinations of it. If you step up and your your lineman gets a better block on the, the defender because of that, and instead of getting a solid hit on you, that defender can only get one arm, and then you take a nice strong step and move out of that, you've just broken a tackle. But the main thing wasn't that you were super strong. The, the, the main thing is that you moved to set up 
So the defender didn't have a good shot at you. Ben Roethlisberger was great at that, but he was also great at while he was doing that, he was still looking downfield, right? Still looking downfield, looking for a player. And that is his was his strength early on when he couldn't read an NFL defense, really. I mean, he really didn't read NFL defenses. He wasn't picking up cues pre-snap. That's why he held the ball so long in his first couple of seasons and ran around so much is because he wasn't equipped to make those decisions when he should have. The in-rhythm, we talk about passing the game in-rhythm. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have that when he first came to the NFL. He wasn't that guy. What he did have was the ability to move around smartly, not just run. Right, Move in the pocket to keep his blockers between him and the defense. Move out of the way to to keep the defender from having a good shot at him. Resetting, getting his eyes back downfield quickly, even if he had a, a fraction of a second where he didn't have someone physically hitting him and he could get his body, he got his body turned right so that he could make the throw and got rid of the ball. That's, that's why those plays worked. You see other players run around in the backfield, scramble around, and they end up getting sacked because they can't switch as quickly as he could to looking downfield. They couldn't keep their eyes downfield, keep awareness of what's happening downfield, and evade pressure. This is a huge skill set for NFL quarterbacks. Can you move around in the pocket to reduce your pressure, to reduce the risk on you while keeping your eyes downfield? If you see a guy who evades pressure, but he does it by taking his eyes off of the receivers, puts it on the defense, then runs, and then has to stop, look downfield, and try to find somebody, that is a hard thing to do in the NFL because all of your timings are quicker. Everything happens faster. You don't have enough time to stop moving reorient yourself, find your receiver, and then throw the ball. You need to already know. As you're scrambling, as you're moving, as you're adjusting, as you're breaking a tackle, you've got to still be aware of what's going on. That is a huge skill set. Another one for me, for quarterbacks, is leading receivers. Throwing with anticipation. Are, Are they throwing once a receiver has gotten open? Or are they throwing a receiver when they see, they can tell this receiver is going to be open in one second. And that's why I've got to throw it now, right? Do they have that anticipation? There's a lot of offenses in college where they don't have to. Guys are just going to be open. It's one of the problems evaluating, even a guy like a Joe Burrow, one of the problems evaluating him was he could often throw once a guy was open because no one, the guy was going to stay open. He's open. He's going to stay open. You don't have those windows in the NFL always. You need to be able to to fit it in and get it in there quickly. 2019, when Mason Rudolph came in, he had arm strength. He had a lot of good qualities. One of his main problems was he wasn't throwing to receivers until they were already open. Like he was throwing the ball at the point where the ball should have been to the receiver. And you would see plays where a wide receiver was wide open and he'd throw him the ball. And by the time the ball got there, they, they weren't wide open. Because he waited too long. He got better at it. He showed improvement. He's he showed a lot of improvement in that area. Players can get better at that in the NFL. But if you can do that in college, that means you're going to be able to do that in the NFL. If you can't do that in college, you may or may not 
pick that up in the NFL. So if you're looking at a player and saying, will they transition to the NFL? I'd, I'd rather have the one who already can do it. That's going to bring me to wide receivers. One of the differences, biggest differences in college and NFL work is wide receivers and the physicality in the NFL. Wide receivers in college, man, you will see highlight films of wide receivers who never, never get have, have a defender physically interfering with their route. You just don't see it. That's why I film when you do see them play a team that gets physical with them is so valuable to see how do they release out of it off a, a jam? How do they release off tight man coverage when they're in their route? Are they able to establish their route and create space for themselves to, to, to actually, you know, catch the ball or are they getting driven to the sideline, driven into help by the defender? We, this, this is one of the key things with Deontay Johnson. When he was coming out, he was a third round pick. I started watching a film and I'm like, holy crap. I, I did a whole film room on just him playing the University of Miami Hurricanes because the Miami Hurricanes were a press man team that jammed receivers all the time. All the time. And they had one of the best press man cornerbacks in the draft. He ended up going in the fourth or fifth round just because like he couldn't do anything else. But he was a really good press man corner. And Deontay Johnson destroyed him. All game. They ended up, like, every time they pressed him, every time they got up close to him, he destroyed them. His releases, they couldn't stop him in his route against larger, more physical cornerbacks. It didn't matter. He was going to win it. Small dude, but one with physicality in his route. And I watched that. It, it, it was just like Juju Smith-Schuster. I said, these guys are going to translate. You know, these are guys who are going to translate. If you can't physically stop them in their routes, they're going to find a way to produce in the NFL. You get guys like that that are super fast, great ball skills, run beautiful routes, but you get your hands on them, and they can't do anything. I think of John Ross went to the Bengals. That guy had like untouched. That guy was insanely good. If you didn't get hands on him, he went up against Joe Hayden. wasn't nearly as fast as him. Didn't matter. Joe Hayden was all over him, physically interfering with him. Not not pass interference, but physically defending him. Right that they allow you to do in the NFL. You're allowed to touch each other. Once that contact's established before the five-yard line, you can carry it through the route. The defender has a right to their position, and if they can get into your way and just stay there, you can't get the ball. We've seen Deontay Johnson succeed. We've seen uh, Juju Smith-Schuster succeed in the NFL because of those skill traits without having elite speed, without having height and all these things that other receivers have that make them look physically like they're going to be an amazing player and they don't make it. These guys made it because they can handle that physicality. In Chase Claypool, when I watched his college film, I saw a polished route runner, a guy who has good releases, a guy who does a great job at creating space. But if he doesn't win physical contact right off the bat, if he allows the defender to stay into his body when he's in his route, he can get driven off his route. And this is why you would see Chase Claypool on throws to the sideline. Chase Claypool is already at the sideline. He's already pinched up against the sideline trying to make a play there because the defender was able to drive him over there instead of you know physically establishing his route and giving himself five or six yards before the sideline where Ben can throw it over there. He can see the ball and adjust, and the defender has to come to him. The defender's not already in the way of the ball. 
right? The defender has to reorient and find the ball and you create openings for yourself that way. It's it's weird when watching film and seeing Chase Claypool is not as physical in his route in this specific way as a guy like Deontay Johnson is. And it hampers Chase Claypool, especially with his deep threats. He's still a great mid-route receiver, a great receiver on slants, comebacks, all these different routes. He can run the full route tree. But he's not as good of a deep receiver as he would be if he was better at physically establishing his routes. And that's not just something you can learn either. That There's some natural stuff that goes into that. You either have it or don't kind of things. Which is one of the reasons I say Chase Claypool isn't your true deep threat. He's a really good wide receiver, but he's not like the deep threat, the Mike Wallace, you know, you know, uh, Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant deep threat that Steeler fans were thought they were getting. He's not that guy. He's he's much more of the you know running posts and slants and comebacks and ins and outs and he's that kind of receiver. He just has bigger size. That's all we're going to cover for the first part. Those are my two big ones. Those are two positions the Steelers are really looking at, in my opinion. They they, they really need. They only have two receivers, uh, and we are looking. They are they are going after quarterbacks in in all the pre draft process. They are heavily invested in quarterback evaluation. So those are two positions we could really see early in this NFL draft, and those are some things you you want to look for in those players. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll cover. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of different positions a little quicker, get through a lot of more stuff. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back. I was about to give up when I saw you coming outside the door. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're sticking with the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts all through this offseason heading into the NFL draft so we can keep you informed all your Steelers news all your Steelers analysis and opinions and other fun things also make sure you're checking out behindthesteelcurtain.com we'll have full draft coverage there as well first half of this episode we talked about quarterbacks and wide receivers uh, we're going to flow through some of the other offensive positions here really quickly for a running back. I know the Steelers aren't looking for a running back, but one of the big differences we got with Najee Harris, people talk about vision, but I want to, I want to take vision a little farther because in college, you'll often see running backs have clear choices to make. The holes are a bit bigger. 
the, the the lanes are more clear. Are you going to the right or the left? Like these choices aren't the most complicated. What you want to look for in a running back is how do they do when those run lanes are cluttered? Can they find their way through traffic? Because in the NFL, that's what you have to do. In college, James Conner was a fantastic running back with a bit more space, right? When you when you don't have a cluttered box, and by a cluttered box, I don't just mean defenders. I mean defenders and blockers. Five offensive players blocking five defensive players leaves more space at the front than if you have eight players blocking eight players. There's just more bodies. Instead of 10 bodies in that box, there's 16. There's a lot less space to move. James Conner was a much better runner when there was five-on-five blockers. We saw that in 2018 when the Steelers were a pass-heavy team and he was a running back who had more space. Not just an advantage of blockers, but more space to work through. Easier lanes to see. When he got to the second level, it was a bit more crowded, obviously, but he was better with that than he was with a crowded box. Once he got to the second level, he was much better. We saw him again do better in Arizona, where their team spreads out a little bit more. When James Conner was on Pittsburgh and the box got a little more crowded, he wasn't as valuable. You see a lot of college running backs look really good because they come from a spread offense where they have lovely lanes to look at and see and run through. And if you can replicate that in the NFL, you can expect similar success. But very few teams can replicate that in the NFL. Very few teams have that kind of offensive firepower. The the Kansas City Chiefs are one. You, You can do that a bit as the Chiefs because... People have to worry about Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes throwing downfield. And so you get a little more space and the box isn't as crowded and they tend not to put multiple guys in the box anyways. With the Steelers and Najee Harris, you saw a running back come in who was much better in traffic. The Steelers are able to run two tight end sets. The Steelers are able to, because if they give him those blocks... It doesn't matter if it's crowded, as long as he can make his way through that crowd, he will. James Conner struggled to find his way through that crowd. Najee Harris doesn't. He's very good at it. So even with a decline in blocking that Najee Harris saw last year, this was not a good blocking team. It was the offensive line. was the worst it's been in a while. Obviously, the end of 2020 was bad as well. Uh, 2021 wasn't much better. may have been worse. Tight ends. Things I look at for tight end is effort in blocking. I don't look at their ability to block. College players don't have enough time to learn both blocking and catching and route running and all those things that a tight end really needs to do. You don't have time to do it. You have classes. You are hardcore limited on how much access you have to coaches. In the NFL, you're not. These guys can't go hire... Very, very, very few college players have the money and resources to go hire top-tier off-season coaches. 
and go and you know go really work on their game. Very few players have those resources and those kind of connections. Once you're in the NFL, though, that becomes an option, right? You can work on that stuff. So I look for effort. I look for tenacity. I look for running, you know, play, running with the ball downfield, stuff like that, where you show this person cares and they want to block people, even if they don't know what they're doing. If they want to block people, you can work with that. We saw that with Zach Gentry, who wasn't a good blocker, came into the NFL and has become a, it's a phenomenal blocker, phenomenal blocker in the NFL level. As a receiver, I look for their ability to adjust to the ball in the air. Uh, that's a big trait for tight ends. That's a rare one. And also their catch radius. How far away from their body can they catch? A lot of tight ends can catch a ball if it hits them in the chest. But you have to be open for a ball to be able to hit you in the chest. You have to be a little more open. If you're not quite as open, that quarterback has to lead that ball away from you. Or it may have to lead it high or low to keep it away from the defender for you to make the play. If you can't get to that ball and catch it, you're not as good. You're just not going to be that valuable. And even looking at, and I think I think low balls are also important to see. How do they do when that ball is down around their knees? Lower than their waist. You know, waist level and lower. How are they at that? Balls in front of them, balls behind them, not just balls up. A lot of tight ends have learned to go get jump balls. They're tall players. Can they do a full radius? What's their catch radius? That's my key for tight end. Last offense position is the offensive line. With offensive line, you want to look at for their feet footwork. You want to see, are their feet quick? Right? Are they big, slower steps or are they small, quick steps? You want small, quick steps because the longer you have one foot on the ground, right? On, or between the time your foot, one of your feet leaves the ground and comes back down, you're vulnerable. Every single time you do that, you are vulnerable to losing your leverage battle because you only have one foot down. The quicker those feet leave the ground and come back down so that you have less time in which for that battle to, you know, the momentum to shift in the blocking battle, that's that's big for an offensive lineman. You want those foot steps to be quick and short, not long and slow. We saw it with Dan Moore Jr. He is a longer stepper. He's a slower. His feet are slower, and he cannot pass block because of it. He's not good pass blocker because of it. I also like to look at their anchor. This is this is a thing that that can often confuse people who aren't uh, don't know what they're looking for, uh, and most of us don't. Admittedly, I'm I'm I consider myself to be more of a novice on offensive line film. Uh, never played the position. Obviously, I'm I I weigh 180 pounds. Right, never played offensive line. I weigh 180 pounds, and that's too much for my for my frame. So I was never an offensive lineman. Uh, but when you watch them, if they get driven back, if they lose first contact, how do they recover? And often you'll see them hop backwards and get two feet. That's re-anchoring, right? That's trying to refine their anchor. Can they can they slow that progression and stop it? Uh, one of the best clips I've seen on that was. And our uh, Dave Schofield and I did a vertex on Dan Moore Jr. and his Week Eight matchup with Ms. Miles Garrett that earned him a zero in pass blocking from PFF. There was one play Miles Garrett absolutely destroyed him on first contact, won a bull rush, and was just driving him back into the pocket. And you see Dan Moore Jr. hopping back, trying to reestablish his anchor, and he's able to right as he gets to Ben Roethlisberger. So the Ben Roethlisberger kind of bumps into him. 
but isn't hit, and Miles Garrett doesn't touch Ben Roethlisberger. That's not a good anchor, but that's a great example of someone reestablishing your anchor. Why? Because he was getting flung back into the backfield, but yeah, Miles Garrett never touched Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, you don't want to physically come in contact with your quarterback. It wasn't a great one, but it was a great example to watch to see what we talk about when someone re-anchors, and even though they got driven back into the pocket, it's not bad because they didn't let the defender get to the quarterback. Another thing you watch for with their hands is, are their hands quick and are they accurate? Are they just grabbing and slapping this player, or can you see physical impact when they when they get their hands on someone? Can you tell that the defender's plan changes? right? That the defender's course is adjusted. And that's big because if you think of runners, especially, I think of it best this way. If you take a TJ Watt running up the arc and trying to get to your quarterback, you don't have to stop TJ Watt. You just have to direct him farther back so that instead of cutting in to the pocket and hitting your quarterback, he's running behind your quarterback. If you think of ben, you think of Bud Dupree early on in his career where he would just run and then he'd end up way behind the quarterback and try to come back, right? That's what you want to do as an offensive lineman. Bud Dupree was fast enough that he'd often make plays after that. But as an offensive lineman, you want to drive people out of that path. And that's why we say Bud, Bud Dupree wasn't a very polished pass rusher for a lot, for a lot of his early career. Because he couldn't. He couldn't win those arcs and get cutting into the to the play to the quarterback. He couldn't bend that arc and establish the route he wanted to take. He always almost always let the offensive lineman push him further up the arc, where he was much where it was much harder for him to make a play. Lastly, with offensive linemen, for specifically for the Steelers, when the Steelers go for an offensive lineman, I want you to look at uh, outside zone runs. And this is zone specifically if this player is blocking on a running play where they are moving sideways, right? And a de- engaged with the defender while moving to the side. Moving laterally, engaged with the defender. Who's winning that battle? Is the offensive lineman getting pushed backwards? Or are they pushing the, the defender backwards? Are the, is the offensive lineman in control? And this can be a tricky thing to see, but are they able to slow that defender if they need to slow them? Are they able to drive them further to create a, a you know a lane behind them and say, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you and move you farther outside so that there's a lane behind you. Different ways, you know, you have to kind of try and figure out where the play is trying to go and look at, hey, is that offensive lineman still in control of this block or is the defender controlling the block and they're just doing their best to just stay there and kind of be in the way. You want them to have control. Control of the block is big. Uh, often people look at things like finishing, and they I think we overrate finishing being throwing someone on the ground because it's something that stands out and you can see it. You can see when someone throws somebody to the ground, and you like to see that because someone on the ground has to get back up. They're farther out of the play. But finishing doesn't always mean just throwing someone to the ground. It means, do you? to me, it means staying with the block. Not just blocking and then like they sweep your hands and then you're like, oh, they're past me. No, fighting to stay with the block. And when you have a win, not just settling with, okay, you know, I've got this person blocked and I'll push them a few times and then let them go. No, really take them out of the play, 
right? Drive him further. You don't have to put him on the ground, but just drive him further even. That's a good finish. Obviously, putting him on the ground is great. We love to see it, and it's a lot of fun to see it. But it's not the biggest thing. On defense, I don't want to cover too much uh, here. Defensive linemen for the Steelers, really all, all I can do is tell you, look at their motor. Do they keep following the ball or do they give up? Right? Do they keep do they keep with the play or do you see them jogging with no one around them and just kind of slowly jogging to be like, look, coach, I'm chasing the ball. Ugh. You know, Cam Hayward is famous for his motor, man. He chases down receivers running downfield. That man never stops. Put him into an all-pro category, right? I could tell you skills to look for, all these things to look for in defensive linemen, but you know what? The Steelers draft defensive linemen who don't fit any of them. All, the only the only thing that I have left here is their motor and their size. And the size isn't, isn't steadfast either. I d- they're better at evaluating defensive linemen than, than most of the most of the people out there. They they do a great job with it. They have their own traits they look for. So mostly I can say, hey, you know what you can look for? Do they have a motor? Do they have effort? They show a lot of effort. Okay, well. Trust the Steelers, and maybe that person will be something. I expected Isaiah Loudermilk to be absolutely terrible. Uh, Kate, it wasn't just me. KT Smith, coaches football, breaks down film better than me from a positional standpoint and what you want from each position. He looked at Isaiah Loudermilk and was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's terrible. Why would the Steelers even take this guy, let alone trade a pick for him? Well, you know what? They they do a great job with those defensive linemen. And at this point, I'm just like, hey, if I see hustle from the guy and the Steelers take him, okay, whatever. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what to look for. And a defensive lineman for the Steelers outside of just really a lot of effort, that love of football kind of effort. Looking for cornerbacks. So far from the cornerbacks from, this, from the, the new defensive secondary scheme and coaching with Terrell Austin, Look for guys who do things that already the Steelers that the Steelers already do. Look for guys who show they have NFL skills. Don't project. Right? And don't don't trust national analysts on cornerbacks for the Steelers. It's a really it's a really hard position to evaluate because you don't get good clips, you don't get good film. So how do you form opinions on these guys? Well, I would suggest not doing that. <laughs> I would just suggest not wasting your time. Because it's it's so hard to evaluate cornerbacks, so hard to evaluate their film, if you can actually get the All-22 film. And really what you want to look for is, are they doing things that Steelers cornerbacks are already doing, and are they good at doing those specific things? Because those are the guys that translate. Trey Norwood showed he could do Cameron Sutton's role in dime in college. He did exactly that role. That was his position. Everything they asked Cam Sutton to do, Trey Norwood had done in college. He came into the NFL as a rookie, and they're like, go do this thing. And he's like, all right, I've done this. And he did well. So look at it. Say, do, do they do this? A big thing for Steeler cornerbacks that I would, I would say look for is uh, pattern matching, zone coverages. I would look for, especially this year, do they play the run? Are they physical? 
Can they? How do they do against the the quick little screen passes and things? Are they getting driven out of the play? Don't just check those off and look for plays where they're where they're actually covering somebody downfield. Look at those plays. Those are key things for Steelers cornerbacks. How do they fight through blocks? How do they control that? How do they, you know, hold their zones? How do they, you know, create force them into into worse run lanes and towards their their help defense? Those things matter. Last position I want to cover is linebacker, because I think we could see an outside linebacker. Uh, I think we could see an inside linebacker, too. But when we look at those positions, even strong safety, if we end up drafting a strong safety, some big things is, one is, similar to how a running back needs to be able to follow a blocker and use them, can they use an offensive, a defensive lineman like a blocker? One of the things that showed me Devin Bush had a chance to be really good for the Steelers was he does a great job of getting behind his defensive lineman and and shadowing him so that when the running back, like when that hole opens to the left or right of that defensive lineman and the running back tries to take it, you can go get the running back. And any blocker trying to get to you from the offense has to physically go through that defensive lineman, not just come off the side and get you right? They have to go around them or through them to get to you. Part of the problem last year is they were they were going through the defensive linemen. They weren't having problems getting through defensive linemen. So you could be stacked right behind the defensive linemen and they're going to drive that defensive lineman into you and then block you, right? That's, that's what happened last season. Hopefully this season, the defensive line is much better and we, and they, we can see that. But that's a big thing for me when I look at linebackers. I also look at what kind of coverage do they run and how do they do it. It's, it's, there's a lot of time linebackers, like a safety, are seen going to the ball in television angles. They're around the ball, but that wasn't their guy. They just saw where something else had messed up or where their defense had been broken and went to help cover it. It it's, can be hard to see, but try to look at what their assignment is. What, how are they being used? Not whether that player caught the ball near them. That's that's a key thing for me. We're going to stop there. I think that covers covers most of what I have to offer and uh, in, in helping you evaluate draft picks coming into this and once the Steelers draft them. Of course, I'll be covering them on this show. I'll be covering them on our Wednesday night podcast, The Curtain Call. I'll be covering them in film rooms. Uh, some of them, KT Smith, we usually split them up between us. I'll be covering some of them on Vertexes. It'll, it'll be all over the place. There will be coverage for these guys. But that's just to give you a heads up when you see players getting mocked to the Steelers and you want to go look at them and say, oh, the Steelers are interested in this guy. What did they bring to the table? That'll help give you some idea of some of the traits and whether they fit with what the Steelers do or not. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. Have a great week, and as always, go Steelers! Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.